I look back upon my time serving the Lord and spending time with the Lord, and I, I look at moments where God had to break me, where I had to come to a place, you guys, where I had to say, Lord, I'm done. I'm done. Like, I've tried too many times. I've tried. And you know what the Lord has told, has told me time and time again? I say, Lord, I've tried. And then he says this, good. Now, start dying. Start dying to yourself. I think that's usually our problem is we're trying to, way too hard. The Bible tells us, hey, stop trying and start dying. Start dying to the flesh. Start being broken before God. Welcome to Refuge Podcast, a weekly Bible study for young adults at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. All right. Um, it's good to be here with you guys. How are you guys? Good. Yeah, awesome. Uh, well, again, as um, Quincy was saying, it's so good to be here with you guys. Man, it feels weird using a microphone. I'm loud as it is, right? So it's like, uh, just deal with it. It's no big deal. Um, the simple gospel, right? You guys are in the book of John. So if you would turn to John chapter 12 tonight as uh, we look to God's word, John chapter 12. And if you would, if you would stand with me as um, we read God's word together. Actually, I'll read it. But if you would stand with me as, as I read John chapter 12. And um, I do this with our high schools all the time. And they're like, oh, right? You're like, oh, I got to stand. And I'm like, hey, if we can stand for the Pledge of Allegiance, like we should stand for God's word, you know? And so John chapter 12, uh, verse 1, as Pastor Andrew said, we're in John. If you could teach John, that'd be great. So it worked out, right? Praise the Lord. And so John chapter 12, uh, verse 1, the Bible then says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was who had been dead, and whom he had raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. And then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, appointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, uh, who would be betray him, said, Why was his fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a chief, uh, excuse me, a thief, and had the money box, and he used to take what was put into it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Now a great time, and many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that he might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And then verse 10 says, But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also, and because on account of him, and many of the Jews who went away and believed in Jesus. Let, let's pray. God, tonight as... Lord, we stand before you, God. We thank you, Lord, for your word. God, we thank you, Lord, for, uh, Lord, Pastor John, and, Lord, just the vision of Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. God, we, we continue to pray, God, the, Lord, that this place, God, would be centered upon your word, that you would, Lord, use, um, Lord, this place, God, as a beacon of, of hope, Lord, in this city. And, God, we pray, Lord, for Pastor Andrew as uh, he's away. We ask that you would be with him tonight. We ask that... Lord, uh, you would just be with this family. And Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for our time together. God, we pray that you would speak to us now, Father, that you would minister. God, we pray, Lord, for um, our hearts, God, that we can walk out, Lord, uh, transformed and changed, Lord, and, and loving you more uh, than, we walked, than when we walked in, God. So we thank you once again in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated tonight. And again, I just wanted to uh, thank you guys. Um, for allowing us to come and, and to hang out with you for an evening. And uh, Pastor Andrew, um, that guy is not only, I think, a, a shepherd, but he's a servant. And so often I see pictures of him, you know, cleaning toilets and taking care of children. And that really is a calling. And I know in just in speaking with him, actually, he texted me this morning 
it was like at 5.30 in the morning. I'm thinking, why are you awake right now, right? But I realized that it was 16 hours ahead of us. And so it was his evening. So right now, I think it's like his either early morning. So we're going to call him right now and talk. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to call him. Um, but um, so often in talking with him, he's always talking about you guys, always talking about the people at this church and just the, the love that he has uh, for you guys. And I know the love that uh, God's given him for for you. And so um, it's encouraging to see uh, you come tonight because I know it's not obviously for me, it's not for him, but it's for Christ. And so um, I would just encourage you to, to keep going because the days that we're living in are surely not getting any better, aren't getting any brighter, but Christ is still moving and he's wanting to use people. And not just young, and not just old, and not just male, not just female, but he's wanting to use people who are available, and saying, like Isaiah, Lord, send me, I'll go. I'll go. And so tonight, as we look at our text, John chapter 12, um, we read in verse 1, it says, Then the six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, and who had been dead, and who he had raised from the dead. And so interesting, as we look at John chapter 12, I'm sure last week, or maybe two weeks ago, uh, John chapter 11, uh, I'm sure Pastor Andrew talked about, right, Lazarus and, and what had happened with him, being him being raised from the dead. And of course, if you look at the other gospels, you see that um, this was something that was uh, not done very often, right? Someone being who was once dead, who was now brought back alive. And interesting that the first 11 chapters of John are actually focusing on the first three years of Jesus's ministry. And now as we kind of hit this, this um, fork in the road, you might say, this uh, uh, point of John chapter 12, these last 10 chapters focus on the last week of his life. And so you have 11 chapters dedicated to his first three years of ministry, and then you have the last 10 chapters focus on the last week of his life. So from three years to a week, and you see how much is going to happen here and how much um, is, is going to take place in the life of Christ. And so uh, then we, it, we read in verse 1, and going six days before the Passover. And you might be wondering, what is the Passover? It's simply just uh, a Jewish holiday where they would uh, remember God's deliverance. And so they would celebrate um, this, this huge, huge festival where people would gather together, right? And, and whether it be there in the streets or in houses, um, if, if you're like me, you're Mexican, so you grew up having 100 people in a small little house and you just pack it out, right? And, and you don't care, just whatever it takes, you know? And, and so people are coming together and six days as they're preparing for their celebration, they're gathering. And I just, I just wonder if people were talking about the Passover, they were just, you know, buying their their new gowns or their new robes, and they were getting, you know, the girls getting their hair done for the Passover because everyone's going to be there. But this celebration of God's deliverance. And so it says, Jesus, he had come to Bethany where Lazarus was. And I love this, John 12. Hey, Jesus is the center, of course, of our night. And then verse 2 then says this, and there they made him a supper, and Martha served but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table. If you're taking note tonight, which you don't have to, because uh, if you walk out with just two cents in your pocket, then praise the Lord, because what I have to give you is literally worth just that, two cents, right? But hey, if you can walk out knowing his word, his word. And tonight, as we look at his word, we're going to look at four different people that we see here in John chapter 12. And so we're taking note, we have one, of course, Martha. And then we know this, that as we look at uh, what she was doing, uh, Martha was serving. And then secondly, we have here, we have Mary. And we know that Mary was worshiping, right? She was worshiping Jesus. And then thirdly, for taking note, we have a Lazarus, and it says, Lazarus, he sat. And tonight you're probably wondering, well, he didn't do anything, right? But we're going to find tonight that he did a lot more than just sit. And then lastly, our fourth person, our fourth point tonight, we have a, a man named Judas. A man named Judas. And Judas, of course, questions, but we see here that uh, in his questioning, there was a greater problem in Judas's life. 
And so first in verse two, we find that Martha, it says there, they made him a supper and Martha served. Martha served. And now if you take this word served, right, this word actually is translated in the Greek, and I'm not a big Greek person, and I hate pronouncing these words because I usually mess them up, but this word here is adiakoneo. And this word just means this. It means to minister a thing to a one, to serve one by supplying anything, to minister, to serve to supply something. And so Martha is serving Jesus, right? She's serving tables. And we see here that Martha, what happens is that Martha actually is, of course, serving. She's doing. And sometimes we might think, well, it's not really a big deal, right? I'm just, I'm just you know, setting up chairs or I'm just parking cars in the street or in the school parking lot. Or all I am is, all I do at Calvary Chapel San Juan is I'm just a greeter. That's all I do. Maybe you're like Martha and, hey, I just work at Starbucks or I work at Barricos Coffee, right? The best coffee shop in San Clemente. I've been there. It's amazing, right? That's all I do. And we're going to find that because of Martha's service, she actually provided a place for people to come and to hear and to see, and to believe upon Jesus. You see, her serving enabled ministry to happen. Her serving enabled the greater work to be done. And sometimes we think, hey, it's not a big deal. I'm not really doing anything. It really is just a small part in what I do of the church. And you would be right to say that, hey, it's just a small part. But don't ever demean with what God is enabling you to do in your serving. I pray, I hope that if, 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 if this church here is your home church, that you, you serve, you get involved, whether it be, hey, you're in you know, the Calvary Kids downstairs, or maybe you're in the junior high with Pastor Chris, or maybe you're in the high school with Pastor Andrew, or maybe you're in young adults with Pastor Andrew, right, Newman, or Hey, maybe you're in the parking lot or maybe you're wherever you are that you recognize, hey, I am am enabling for ministry to happen. Because really what you're doing is just as important as what's happening in the church office. It's just as important as what Pastor Andrew is doing here on Thursday nights. It's just as important as what Pastor John is doing there in the sanctuary across the hall. You're serving And Martha, it says that she is serving. I wonder, and in just our serving alone and what we're doing, are we allowing God to use it? Are we allowing God to use it to expand the kingdom? Because we're going to find, and I'm sure you've already have found that in the first 11 chapters, Jesus is always talking about heaven. He's always talking about heaven about what's to come. And listen, we know that there are important things in life. Hey, working is important, right? Making some money. Hey, maybe going to school is important. Hey, maybe for you, church is important, right? The four walls here. Maybe for you, a relationship is important. Maybe you have a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or in your heart you do, right? But not really, right? Maybe you're married, right? Whatever it is, hey, relationship is important to you, so you make time for those things. But at the same time, how important is heaven to us? Because we know it, and maybe sometimes we hear it, and maybe sometimes we even say it, but hey, heaven is forever, We know work isn't forever, school isn't forever, even relationship, even marriage here on earth isn't forever. But heaven surely is forever. It's never going to end. And so Martha, she's serving the Lord, it says says that she's serving tables, she's making this food, she's making this supper. And then it says this, that Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. 
Well, notice there in verse two, it says with him, capital H, and we can assume that it's Jesus, right? Hey, Lazarus is sitting with Jesus. He sat at the table. And I wonder, right, chapter 11, hey, Lazarus was once dead and now he is alive. And I just wonder, let's just use our best imagination if we could, right? You guys remember being like in first grade, hey, use your imagination, right? We're at Disneyland. Use your imagination, right? Smell the air, smell the popcorn, right? Uh, Hear the sounds of the roller coasters. Or maybe it's like, hey, imagine we're in the jungle, right? And just hear a rhino walking through the jungle. And and you hear the crackling of, of, you know, the trees, Use your imagination, even tonight, right? And I just picture this table. I picture these uh, people at this uh, dinner table. And I wonder, this house, how big it was. Maybe it was the size of this room. Maybe it was smaller. But, of course, Jesus is there. We know that. Hey, Martha is there. She's making this, this food. And there's somewhere at that table is Lazarus. And I wonder as, as people are there, they're walking in, they're like, hey, check out Lazarus. He's right there. He, he's really alive. Maybe they're looking to make sure it's really, you know, Lazarus. You know, is it someone who just looks like Lazarus, right? Is he a poser? Do you see him over there? He's, wow, he's right there. We've heard all about him. And so he's sitting. I wonder what he's thinking, right? You know, maybe people are staring at him awkwardly and he's like, he knows people are watching him. You guys ever been there where like, you know that you know someone, but you don't go and talk to them and you're like, oh yeah, I know them from church, but I don't know them that well. So I'm not gonna go up and talk with them. It's gonna be this awkward like eye contact, right? And you make eyes for two seconds, then you look away, then you look, I mean, you make eyes and you look away and then it's like, you kind of give a nice smirk, like, all right, right? That was awkward. What's Lazarus thinking? He's thinking, man, these people probably think I was faking it. They probably think something is crazy. But I wonder if he was just thankful to be alive. He was just thankful to be there. Who knows? But we know this. We know this. That Lazarus knew that he didn't do it. Lazarus knew that he didn't just resurrect himself. We know that Lazarus knew that, hey, it had nothing to do with me. I hope we know tonight that we're not saved because of who we are. We're not saved because of how good we look or how good we think we look. We're not saved because of the church that we go to because of who our parents are or because how much we tithe. Hey, we're saved because of Jesus. Ephesians says, right, Ephesians 2, chapter, uh, verses 1 through 5, it says, And you he made alive who were dead. Who were dead. I love that, right? It's not because of me. And I wonder that as Lazarus is sitting there, he sees Jesus and he's just like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like, thank you. Man, I was dead. I was dead. I wonder, and I hope that Lazarus, that, that that love and that excitement for something new, it just didn't go away. Because as the days went on, and I'm sure you and I can understand this, that from the day we got saved, that first day, maybe the second day, but there was a moment for all of us where we realized, man, I am saved. Like, I'm going to heaven now, right? I I said that prayer. I believed it in my heart. I accepted Christ. I'm saved. And and there was a joy. There was an excitement. And maybe like all of us, right, we get something new and it's exciting. Maybe you bought your first car. Maybe you got the new iPhone 11. I'll trade you tonight if you want to, you know. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is that excites you, man, it, it was amazing. Maybe it was a relationship. You guys know, right, relationship, if you've been in one, it's like you're texting at first and we're just friends and all of a sudden it's like, wow, I, I, I held her hand and it was like, oh man, I'm not gonna wash this hand. And 
you know, and, and then it's like, hey, we sat together in church, and, and, and we sat right there, you know, and it's just like you, but all of a sudden, the days go by, and we start to kind of forget. We start to kind of drift a little bit. And maybe it was like, man, I got this Bible, and, 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 you know, at, uh, at, at the Harvest Crusade, or I got this Bible, and it's brand new, and, it, and we're excited, and we're highlighting, and, we're, and, we're, and all of a sudden, it's like, a year goes by, and it's like, hey, where's your Bible? Oh, man, I forgot it in the car. What was once exciting and new and, and, and amazing, just something happened. But you see, Lazarus, man, he experienced something that most people never did. He was dead, and now he's alive. But we could say that too, couldn't we? We were once dead, apart from Christ, going to hell. But now, Ephesians says what? We've been made alive. That should excite us, right? I mean, that should put some joy into our lives tonight. I don't know if you guys follow Pastor John, right? Your pastor on Instagram. And he, I don't know why. I just, this picture, I can't get in my mind. I wish we would have showed it tonight on the screen. But there's this picture, and I hope it's still up there, on his story, where he's jumping. Right? I don't know if you guys saw it. He's jumping and doing like a karate kid kick, you know? Like, that's the joy that I want to have when I think about Jesus. Man, I've been saved. I'm alive. Like, do a karate kick and take a picture because, what you're excited. And so Lazarus is sitting, but I would venture to guess that he was probably the most excited guy in the room. I don't know. But I wonder his countenance. I wonder his smile. And then verse 3, the Bible then says, Then Mary... Says she took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and she anointed the feet of Jesus and she wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. You see, it was customary that in these, in these homes, right, in Jewish, in Jewish homes, that as uh, like you would, you know, to maybe a dinner party, maybe a birthday party, maybe uh, even a wedding or something, right? Something where you're a guest. But if you go over to a friend's house, right, it's, we just kind of think of it as, hey, as, you know, first of all, you ring the doorbell, right? Or you knock on the door, like, you don't just barge in, right? You kind of respectful, like you knock on the door, do a little ring, you know, a little action on the iPhone now, and hey, is anyone home? And, but the host or whoever's home it is, they come to the door, hey, hey, how are you, right? Good to see you. They give you a, a welcome, right? Whether it be just like some old school Mulval knuckles and, you know, maybe it's like a bear hug, right, from Pastor Andrew and he squeezes you until you can't breathe. But, and I don't know if it's cold usually in San Juan and Mulval, we you don't have a season, it's just hot, right, all the time. But maybe in San Juan here, you guys, you know, you walk in, you're wearing a jacket and they take your jacket you, or you put your purse, the girls, you put your purse on the on the, I don't know, the mantle or something, or even guys got the mercies now, right, rocking the champion little uh, things, and yeah, you take, unbuckle it and throw it down there, and, but, and then it's like, hey, do you want a drink, or you want some water, right, you, something, well, see, when they would walk in, right, they'd be welcomed in, and what would happen is that they would actually have this, this, uh, like, foot washing station, because, you see, they would wear these sandals, right? And as they would journey along, their feet got dirty. And now these weren't just like, you know, your typical San Juan rainbow sandals, right? These are just some gnarly, you know, Bethany, right? Uh, Jewish sandals, right? And so your feet got dirty. And so they would come in, you would come in and you would have your feet washed. And then because you've been out all day walking, there's no Ubers over there, right? In Bethany, you would walk in and have your feet washed, but then actually you would have oil, right, sprinkled on you. Because, let's face it, there wasn't any Old Spice back then, right? So you smelled. You smelled. And so Jesus is there, and, 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 and he's sitting down, and maybe they forgot, I don't know, to wash his feet. But then it says that Mary, 
It says that she took a pound of very costly spikenard. And I love that verb there, Mary took. Mary took what was hers. Mary took her own possession. It says that she took a pound of very costly spikenard. This very costly oil. I'm sure you guys heard this before, right? John chapter 12, but this oil was, man, it was expensive. You probably heard it, it was about a year's wages, right? We don't know, we could assume. It was expensive. It wasn't just your typical, you know, Axe body spray canister you just kind of just, you know, pulled out and, no, it was, it was special. You see, Mary had this oil that was hers that she purchased with her own money. Hours went into this oil. You see, this oil was, was typically for a woman when she possessed it, it was typically used for two things. One, it was used for her wedding day. Right, this, this special day, this thing that she had, 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 had just cared for and saved for this day of anticipation. And if not, it was also used for the day of her burial. Hey, like, you know, some people, I don't know, it's kind of weird. They pick out their, their, their clothing for the day of their funeral, right? Like, hey, when I die, put me in this. You know, it's like, hey, when I die, like, pour this on me. Right, like, I don't know, put it in the cat. But, but for a wedding or for a funeral, Mary takes this costly oil and it says, it says there that she anointed the feet of Jesus. You see, other uh, gospels, it says that she actually took this, this flask, this alabaster flask, and it says that she comes in, she takes it, and she actually broke the flask of oil. Now, when I think of a flask of oil, I think of like a small little bottle, right? But it says there, it says that, it says that it was a pound of costly oil. You might say, Alex, well then, was it like a whole like gallon milk-sized carton of, of oil? I don't know, right? I wish I did. Use your imagination. But she took this oil, this expensive oil, and it says that she anointed the feet of Jesus. She takes this oil, she takes this pound of oil, she takes this flask and she breaks it. She pours it. Other translations or the gospel says that she actually pours the oil on his head. She dumps it out. And she takes his own, she, and she pours it out on Jesus. And then it says, this, it says this here, that she wiped his feet with her hair. Now know this, that in this time, and, and it, it was customary, of course, as you talk about the oil, what it was used for, it was talk, we talked about what would happen when you go to, go over to a dinner, right? You would have your feet washed, you would get some, some cologne going, some perfume going, but we also know that back then, women, they didn't have their hair down. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says that a woman's hair was her glory, her prized possession. So they would either typically have their hair covered or they would put their hair up. But it says that Mary, she takes this prized, costly, expensive oil, and she takes her glory, her honor, her hair. Probably the two most important things to her. And she offers them to Jesus. She offers them. You see, she's not only demonstrating, but she's communicating to everyone in the room, I love this guy. I love Jesus. You see, 
I wonder for us tonight, if we were to think about the two most important things in our lives, the two most important things, and maybe not just things, maybe the two most important people in your life. Hey, maybe to you, your job is very important and, and, and it, it defines you, it's who you are. Maybe it's, it's what you do here at the church. Maybe you have some kind of position here. Maybe it's, it's something you do, it's, it, it's a hobby. Maybe you play music. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's, it's whatever it is, you know tonight exactly what the most important thing is to you. And I would ask you this tonight. Are you willing, would you be willing to give it to Jesus? Would you be willing to give it, to offer it freely to Jesus? Just imagine Mary comes in and, and, and she sees Jesus and who knows where it was at. It says that she took this oil. I don't know if she, was, if she just walked in, if, if she goes and gets it, but she was ready. I wonder if she heard, hey, Jesus is coming and he's going to have dinner at this house, right? And she's like, oh, I'll be back. I'm going to get my oil. I'm giving it to Jesus. Could that be said about you and I tonight? That we're willing to give it to Jesus. And notice here it says, and the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. The house was filled. That smell, it just covered the room. Think about when you make coffee, right? And Everyone knows, right, when someone is making coffee, right? I, I'll admit, right, I'll be honest with you guys, I'll, I'll, I'll be real. I'm just a, 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 an amateur, right, in it, but I love coffee, right, love it. And uh, in my office at the church, I, I uh, have my desk, and right behind me, though, I had this little, this little countertop, and I actually have a, a, a hot water kettle, I have a little scale, I got my little coffee drip pour over system there. I got a little hand grinder, right? And, and our offices, our church offices, they're all kind of spread in this one long hallway. And so it's funny because people know when I'm making coffee, right? It's not, it's not the sound of the grinder, it's a little hand one, right? It's not the sound of the beans being poured into the, you know, into the scale. It's not the water being poured out into the pour over system. No, it's not that at all. People know I'm making coffee when, what? They smell the coffee. Instantly, right? People walk by, you're making coffee? I'm like, uh, no, all right, I'm making tea, right? No, I'm making coffee, right? They knew it. They know it. And as Mary anoints Jesus' feet, as she pours out everything, she breaks this, this flask, Immediately, I would assume, man, you could smell that the house, the room was filled with the fragrance of the oil. I mean, talk about pouring a pound of oil on Jesus. You see, this is what I would call and it. If I were just to summarize, man, Mary is worshiping Jesus. She's worshiping Jesus. We might call this like true worship. She's giving everything. She's poured out everything upon Jesus. You see, true worship does two things. Does two things. At least it should. True worship should do two things. One, it should magnify Jesus. It should magnify the Lord. And secondly, it should change us. Worship should change my heart. It should change my entire being. From head to toe, I am different when I'm worshiping Jesus. 
hey, first I'm going to magnify the Lord. I'm going to give him honor and glory. But secondly, it's going to change me. True worship is going to change my life. But we know this, that true worship requires a broken person, a broken life, a life that is being poured out unto Jesus. You know, there are times, there are times when God has to break me. There are moments that I look back upon a walking with the Lord. In a couple of weeks, I'll be 28 years old. I know you thought I was probably 18, right? Yeah, I know. But I'm going for Pastor John look, you know, his look. He looks, you know, 40 years old, and he's probably older than that. But I look back upon my time serving the Lord and spending time with the Lord, and I look at moments where God had to break me. Or had to come to a place, you guys, where I had to say, Lord, I'm done. I'm done. Like, I've tried too many times. I've tried. And you know what the Lord has told, has told me time and time again? I say, Lord, I've tried. And then he says this, good. Now start dying. Start dying to yourself. Good. You're done trying. And we see that, right? Like, man, I'm going to try to do better this week, right? I'm going to try to stop, you know, hey, I'm going to try to stop, you know, watching TV. I'm going to try to stop, you know, cussing. I'm going to try to stop lying. I'm going to try to stop, you know, whatever it is. I'm going to try, I'm going to try, and I'm going to try. I think that's usually our problem is we're trying way too hard. The Bible tells us, hey, stop trying and start dying. Start dying to the flesh, Start being broken before God. Lord, here I am. I'm done. I'm done. And Mary comes to Jesus and she breaks this bottle. She pours out everything unto Jesus. Like, Lord, I have nothing left. She's given him everything. She's given him all that she has. Her fortune is in that bottle of oil. Her honor, her glory is on her head. And she's using it as a towel to wipe Jesus' very feet. I wonder if we would ask ourselves tonight, not me asking you or me asking myself, but you asking yourself this tonight. How long has it been since you and I have poured out everything to Jesus? When was the last time that we could honestly say, hey, I've given him all I got? Everything. Lord, it's all there. It's all there. There's nothing left. There's nothing left. Every desire, every want, every need, every idea of what we thought we were doing or what we had, hey, Lord, it's all on the table. I'm all in. Like, I'm so done. Here, I cracked the bottle. I'm walking away. It's all there. It's all there. And Mary does this public, humble act of worship. Publicly, everyone is watching this woman do this before Jesus. And I think sometimes we, we kind of get it in our minds. And maybe we come here to Calvary San Juan on Thursday nights, right, Refuge. And man, we're worshiping, and it's like, man, it sounds amazing in here, right? These, you know, just, it's just, it, it, it's awesome. And worship is being played, right? And Zach's going for it, and... and and maybe tonight Robin's, you know, singing. You're like, man, Lord, here's everything. I'm, I'm, I'm surrendering all. We sing the songs, right? Lord, I surrender all, all to you, right? And maybe we fall on our knees and, and, and we're crying and we're like, wow, that was so, it was so, it was just so freeing. But know this, brother, sister, know this. 
Alex, me too, that what happens in public must first happen in private. What is presented in public must first be perfected in private. You see, Mary was already broken before God. She was already in love with Jesus. The act of her doing with the oil and her hair, that wasn't it. It was her heart. Her heart was already there. She was already broken before God. And now she's just publicly, openly, right, demonstrating her love for Jesus. And I think sometimes we get it backwards. Hey, man, I cried so hard tonight. It was so amazing. It was awesome. I got prayer. It felt so good. I was worshiping with both hands in the air, right? Not one in the pocket. Both hands were in the air. But what? It doesn't matter. Listen, you can bow physically, but if your heart isn't bowed over, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. Oswald Chambers said this, worship is giving God the best that he has given you. Be careful what you do with the best you have. Whenever you get a blessing from God, give it back to him as a gift. And that's what Mary is doing here. Lord, I have this very expensive, costly oil. And what? It's yours. It's yours. I think of Hannah, right? Lord, if you give me a son, I'll dedicate him back to you. And what happens? She gets that son and she enjoys him. But what? Once he's able to you know, be on his own, hey, Lord, he's yours. He's yours. And I wonder, what prayers tonight are we asking God? Would you give me this? Please, I'm begging you. I'm asking you. Would you provide? And guess what? He is so faithful. And, he, and he's provided. But are you keeping your end of the deal? Are you giving it back to him? You know, one of the things that really just bothers me, and, it, and again, this isn't like scriptural. This isn't, I mean, I think it's biblical, but... It's not a verse here. But I think one of the things that bothers me so much, I get to spend time with our high schoolers, and man, they're, they're awesome, right? They're crazy. Our kids in Mulvale, they're a little ghetto, right? So pray for us. But they're awesome, right? But one of the things that drives me crazy is when young people are praying for a spouse. And maybe tonight you're praying for a spouse. Lord, provide a, this wonderful, godly, handsome man, right? Like, Lord, bring that beautiful babe, because I'm, I want her so bad, right? And, and God, if you give her to me, if you give him to me, Lord, uh, we're going to serve you together, and we're going to honor you. And you know what he does? He does just that. He provides a man, a husband, a wife. And then you know what I can't stand? Is when that couple, they get together, right? They meet at church. And man, they're serving the Lord together, and they're engaged now, and it's beautiful and wonderful, and they have a, a great wedding at the church, and, you know, they go through premarital counseling, and people pour into them and invest in them and disciple them. And you know what happens? They get married, and we never see them again. What happened? You're not giving your marriage back to the Lord. And I'm not just talking about going to church. It's not about, hey, are you in church every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Thursday? No, 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 no. Hey, in your heart, are you spending time with the Lord? Are you being intimate with him? And Mary's like, Lord, it's yours. It's yours. And then we read on. And it says, and one of the disciples, verse 4, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was his fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the money box, and he used to make what was, excuse me, and he used to take what was put into it. And you see Judas here now speaks up. 
Lord, why wasn't this given to the poor? Notice, I think it's interesting, I think it's funny, verse 5 says that, Lord, uh, why wasn't this fragrant oil sold for 300 a denarii? Like, he knew how much it was worth, right? And we talk about a snake. He knew exactly how much you can get for it on the street. Hey, uh, why wouldn't we sell this and give it to the poor? You see, Judas shows us exactly what happens when we're not partaking in a life of worship. He shows us what happens when we're not broken, when we're not experiencing intimacy with God. He shows us right there, verses 3 through 5, excuse me, 4 through 6. He shows us when we're not experiencing a life of abiding in Christ. You see, what happens, right, when we stop spending time in this book, God's word, the Bible, when we stop spending time in this, not about how much you walk through those doors, not about how much you're doing, it's not about how much you're giving, but hey, are you spending time in his word? Well, we know this by reading verses four through six, man, we become critical of those who are living a life of worship. We become critical. We see people and we're like, oh, she's faking it. <laughs> oh, wow, he's, he's here at church today, really? We become critical. We become so judgmental. Our eyes are on the Lord, they're on people. And we're examining everyone from head to toe, right? Man, Pastor John, he just, you know, just, we start complaining. Oh, why can't he just do this? You know, Pastor Andrew, why doesn't he just do this? We become critical. We question everything. We question what's happening. And why are we doing it like this? We can't submit to authority. We can't submit to those who are over us, who God's placed over us. We become envious of what others have. Hey, Judas saw her bottle of oil and like, whoa, hey. We become envious. We see what other people have. And, and, and Saturday, I say now, right, on social media, we're like, wow, man, like, they bought a new car, must be nice. I wish I could do that. Wow, they bought a new house, man, must be nice. And again, notice that all of these are all mixed together, right? They're all intertwined. We try to plot and plan so that we can benefit from other people's situations, good or bad. We try to scheme our way. How can I benefit? How can I benefit from this? We become selfish. It's all about me. If I'm not happy, then no one's happy. And then lastly, and I think this is the most important thing, but we don't contain the fear of the Lord. We don't fear God. And because of that, what we allow compromise into our lives. What do you mean? Well, I mean this. Not in public, but in private. You're not who people think you are. You do things that you wouldn't do here at church. You say things that you wouldn't say here at church. Maybe it's something as simple as you go watch a movie that you're like, should I watch this or can I watch this? Oh, it's fine. I think if we have to ask can I, we probably shouldn't, right? And notice that Judas was there. Verse 4 says, but one of his disciples, one of his disciples. Hey, Judas was with Jesus, but he wasn't abiding in Jesus. He spent the first 10 chapters, first 11 chapters with Jesus. And what? But the whole time he wasn't abiding with Jesus. And you know what I realized for us, family, that we could be coming to church. We could be saying all the right things. We could be wearing the awesome San Juan t-shirts. 
right? We could be in all the ministries. But we can do all that and still not be abiding in the Lord. Are you and I tonight, could we say that we're experiencing true intimacy with God? I mean, honestly, are we experiencing true intimacy with the Father? Or is it just motions? Is it just what you do? Yeah, I go to Calvary San Juan. But are you, are you in San Juan? Are you all about Calvary San Juan? You guys, I know this in speaking with your pastor, Pastor Andrew, that he needs you guys. He desperately needs you. Because know this, he can't do this alone. Man, Pastor Andrew and his wife, Lauren, man, they are awesome people. But more than just that, they're faithful people. Faithful people. And he needs you. He needs you. He needs you to do this work with him. Pastor John, man, he needs you. He needs you to be the examples of a young godly man or a young godly woman. And, and, and not even young, but just a godly man, a godly woman. He needs you to reach out to young people here in this church. You know, the best, and I don't know if you guys are or not, but I know for me, I serve in our high school ministry, and man, the best leaders that we have are young people, are young adults, 18 to 28. Why? Because these high schoolers, man, they so look up to young adults. Like, I can't wait so I can drive, right? I can't wait till I'm 18 and, and no more permission slips, right? I can't wait till I can drink coffee at midnight, you know? Like, I can't wait. And you know what? Pastor Andrew Dre, he needs you guys. He needs you to rise to the occasion, to stand for righteousness. He needs you to spend time with Jesus. I'm not saying you're not, but I would imagine, I would wonder, be so awesome, if all of us, like Mary, we could say, man, I'm all in. Imagine if all of us here tonight said, we're all in. Man, this church is going to be the most loving church in the OC. You guys call it the OC? I don't know if you guys call it the OC, you know, right? I don't know. To me, it's the OC. Man, this church is going to be the most welcoming church around. I'm going to make sure of it. Man, this church is going to be the most hospitable church around. I'm going to make sure of it. I'm going to do it. Man, those kids downstairs in Calvary Kids, they're going to be the most loved kids on in anywhere. I'm going to make sure of it. But it all begins, it all starts here in his word. It all begins in God's word. It all starts out of a true intimacy with God. And then in closing, verses, verse 7, the Bible then says, But Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not always have. And then verse 9 says, Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests applauded to put Lazarus to death also. Immediately, right, Jesus comes to her defense. Hey, leave her alone. Leave her alone. She has done this for me. And then verses 9 and 10, and I love this, but it says that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Hey, they came to see Jesus, but they also came to see Lazarus. They wanted to see living proof that this man was alive. And then verse 10 says, but the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also. And isn't that what Satan does? 
He wants to kill. He wants to destroy what God is doing. And just maybe when you're starting to grow, when you're starting to see victory in your life, Satan begins to attack. And we have the option, right, to give in, to fall back, to to just give up. But you guys, we also have the option, the opportunity to fight, to battle, to move forward, to not give up. Let me ask you this. But if you were Lazarus, would people want to be putting you to death? Are you so in love with the Lord? Are you so walking with God? Are you intimate with Jesus so much so that Satan's saying, I want to kill her. I want to kill him. Like, now they're my enemy. Now they're a target. Because listen, if we're not an enemy of Satan, if we're not going through attack, then guess what? You might want to be careful. You might want to examine your life. But am I so in love with Jesus that, man, Satan is saying, I want, I'm going to plot to take them out. And then because of this, verse 11 in closing says this, because on account of him, on account of Lazarus, many of the Jews went away and they what? Believed in Jesus. They believed in Jesus because of Lazarus. When people leave my presence, when people leave your presence, when they leave from having coffee with you, or when they leave after talking to you, do they walk away saying, man, I'm encouraged. Man, like, I believe in Jesus more now than I did, you know, five minutes ago. See, I wonder if someone were to ask me, if they were to ask you, what are you known for? What are you known for? Like, what's the one thing you're known for? Are you a photographer? Are you a coffee snob? Do you sell hair care products, right? Are you known for your makeup? Are you known for your car? Are you known for, I don't know, working out? Are you known for the way you dress? Right, Pastor Andrew always has like the coolest pants on, right? Straight hipster as can be, right? And I'm not. But like, what are you known for? Like, what do people remember you as? Could it be said, man, that, that woman, that man, they love the Lord. That's all I know. They love Jesus. Or maybe, and I hope not, but maybe... We have a little Judas in us tonight, and we're just like, man, that person's critical. Like, they're always complaining about something. Like, it's always just bad news. They're never in a good mood. I don't know. But tonight, I would ask you, tonight, if you look at these three people, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, they were all worshiping Jesus. They were all glorifying Jesus. And you, you want to know if I were to ask you, I hope you would know this because our high schoolers know this, and so you should know this too. But man, what is the one reason why you and I exist on this earth today? Why do you exist? I'm not going to ask you, no pressure. You and I exist, our sole purpose for living. And, and this is even crazy. I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but you don't exist to, to just go to heaven. You don't. You don't exist to just come to church. You and I exist solely, number one reason, to glorify God. That's it, to glorify God. To glorify God, simple as that. Hey, why do you exist today? To glorify God. Hey, why are you here? To glorify God. Hey, what's your purpose in life? To glorify God. That's it, to glorify God. Mary, Martha, Lazarus, they're glorifying the Lord. A life of worship. A life of worship. But I wonder tonight, will there be even one here tonight where you realize that there hasn't been 
as much excitement as there once was. You've been coming, but you haven't been abiding. You've been praying here and there, but you've also been playing around with the world. Tonight, would you know that there's nothing better than, than, than glorifying God. There's nothing, there's nothing better than just loving Jesus than, like Mary Wright, pouring out everything. Lord, it's all yours. It's all yours. Like, in my life, I want to honor you. And maybe you're single. In my singleness, God, I want to I wanna honor you to the best of my ability. It doesn't mean that you don't want a husband or you don't want a spouse. It just means in the meantime, you're going to honor him in that area of your life. You're going to do what we call just doing the right thing. You're going to just, you're going to do it. Doesn't mean that we have to have to become like nuns and priests and just like, okay, church only, Bible only, praying. No, like, man, like, enjoy life. But do it glorifying God. Do it in a life of worship. I don't want to be like Judas. I don't want to allow a critical heart to creep in. I don't want to allow just weariness or tiredness. Maybe you've been experiencing so much attack from the enemy that you could say, man, I'm cast down tonight. I'm just, I'm just done. I, I am so done. Like maybe even praying about leaving Calvary San Juan. You've been saying like, I just don't feel like coming anymore. I, you know, I try, to, I try to do the best of my ability when I see a high schooler who's not there on Wednesday nights for youth group. I, I'll, I'll, I'll um, like Instagram message them. Hey, where were you tonight? I missed you. Hope you're okay. And a couple of weeks ago, I, I, um, I messaged one of our high school girls and I messaged her and I said, hey, you know, we didn't see you tonight. You know, we miss you. Hope you're okay. And you know her response was, and it was, I appreciate it, so honest. She said, Alex, pray for me. I just didn't feel like going tonight. I just didn't feel like going. I haven't been feeling it, she said. Her honest response. And maybe you're hearing like, I just haven't been feeling it. That's okay. But keep pushing forward. Keep, keep coming. Keep coming to the well. Keep coming. Hey, maybe you're just like stressed and maybe there's just, there's questions that you have. God, am I ever going to get married? The question, right? And, and we could laugh and be like, huh, but maybe you're here and you're like, that's my honest, that's an honest question I have. Hey, like, keep coming. Don't stop. Maybe it's just, just home life, just parents, family, Drama, like just keep coming. Pour out everything. And God will meet you. The Bible says what? He is faithful. He is faithful. The Bible says what? I can cast my cares upon him because what? He cares for me. And I truly believe that it begins right here. It begins right here in this book. Psalms 107.20 says what? He sent his word and he healed them. And he delivered them from their destructions. And sometimes even genuine desires and prayers can be our destruction. Because we become so dissatisfied, so discontent in the Lord. That we start trying to find our own, our own ways, our own, our own plans. And we stop resting upon him and we stop leaning upon him and what we start to do our own thing. We start to you know, make our own path. And what happens? It leads to destruction. Would we be found in this? Right here in this book, Lord, speak to me. Because he's not, he's not done. He's not done speaking. Alex, you don't understand. You're right. I don't understand. But guess who does? God does. He understands. So I'm not going to sit here today and say, hey, just come forward. I'm pray with you, and it's going to be all okay. Guess what? It may be difficult, 
It may be a hard season ahead, but it doesn't change who God is. He's faithful. Lord, tonight, God, we come to you and we thank you, Father, for who you are. God, we thank you, Lord, for for God, for your faithfulness. And Lord, tonight, we want to just pray, Father. We want to just come before you tonight, Lord, and even just in the last minutes, God, that we have together, we pray, Lord, that you would just minister to us, God, that you would meet us where we're at tonight. Lord, maybe we've been coming to church for a long time. Maybe we're a little older and we have this wisdom and this experience that we've been through, and we're kind of relying upon that. Maybe we have some great friends who we've been receiving counsel from and we've been asking questions and and receiving prayer. But Lord, tonight we pray that we would hear from you directly. God, that you would speak, that you would show up. That we can, Lord, leave today saying we've heard from the living God. Lord, we pray, God, tonight, Lord, for us tonight, for the people here. Lord, we pray that, Lord, we would simply be open before you. We would be real with you. And that, God, we would allow you, Lord, to speak into our lives. That we would, Lord, allow you to minister to us. God, we pray, Lord, for, or maybe even the one tonight, God, and they become so critical of other people. They become so critical of their church. God, we pray tonight, God, that you would correct them in love. God, would you bring them near? We pray, God, that you would, Lord, forgive them, God, that they would know, Lord, that there's compassion in you. And so I'm gonna ask tonight, as Robin just plays, but that just right where you're at tonight, that you would, that you would just do that. You would call upon the Lord tonight. The Bible says that when we call upon the Lord, the, he actually gives us his ear. His ear is given over to us. We have his attention. And like any conversation, when someone is listening to you, what they speak back. My prayer for us tonight is that as we call upon the Lord and he listens to us, that he would speak to you. That he would speak to you. Don't isolate, don't run, but allow him to search you tonight. So God, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us now, God, as we sit in our seats, God, that you would, Lord, minister to us, that we would call upon you. Lord, if you cause us, God, to, to stand or kneel, Lord, would we do that? But God, would we look to you in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.